0: Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Let me tell you about this amazing hotel booking app called Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now.
1: I need to have to clear the room.
0: Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, little Uzi Greenwald. Ooh. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. Thursday, uh, we have a couple of special guests on this one today. Mm -hmm. Got Shea Serrano stopping by for a few minutes to chide us for not watching Sons of Anarchy, yeah. uh, I actually feel like, you know, weirdly enough, I think Shay actually sent in a question about this very topic <laughs> during our <laughs> Emmys broadcast he did. from last year. He did. So it's nice to come full circle. Shay uh, wanted us to, we, we talked a little bit with, with Shay about uh, Houston as well. So check out that. Then afterwards, Andy has an interview with Britt Daniel from Spoon.
2: Old friend Britt Daniel. Yeah, nice to talk to him again. I don't know how much we harped on this in the interview, but it's worth mentioning. One of the reasons he's Britt loves doing press. Let me say that first and foremost. Is that true? No. <laughs> but he's always fun to talk to, and I love talking to him. But one of the reasons he was doing press again, it's not just because Spoon put out a great record earlier this year called Hot Thoughts, but there is an anniversary re-release of Gaga Gaga Gaga, oh. the Spoon album that is GX5 to, say. to
0: some to some of oh, us. Oh, that's good. Yeah,
2: uh, coming out. October 29th, a lot of bonus stuff, um, remastered, one of their best records. So we talked about that, but we also talked about um, being in a band for this long and yeah. why he doesn't like doing press and interviews. And it was a good time talking to him. It always is.
0: Um, what's up with you, man? So we, we have, I, want, I know we wanted to talk about a couple of things. There was a really, really interesting article in Vulture written by Craig Marks. Who, Old friend. Yeah, we both worked with him in the past. I know you worked for him at Juke. At yeah. Well, who owned Juke?
2: Uh, CBS Interactive. Okay. That was a music website that uh, I worked with Craig and a few other very talented people to launch uh, a month. We were going to launch the month the economy crashed. Which time? Uh, Great call on that. (laughs) Uh, No, honestly, I was working on this for the summer of 2008. Yes. And then heading into the fall, um, you know, three things happened that year, 2008. Yeah, Uh, Phillies won the World Series. (laughs) Barack Obama was elected president. And TBS Interactive pulled the plug, and uh, I lost my job. I just want to say, as I said many times since then, I would take those same two out of the three every time. Sure, Every yeah. time. But Craig, veteran music journalist, worked with him at Spin. I, I mean, I met him almost 20 years ago at Spin, and this is such a great piece. Yeah. So I really wanted people to read this, and I wanted even you, my podcast partner, to read it. Because I, you and I have been talking about—we always talk about music, obviously. It's part of our lives, part of our career. We've been talking about it more on the podcast— And I realize that as we've been talking about it more in a quasi-professional setting, Mm -hmm. we are actually pretty removed from boots on the ground covering the industry that maybe we had when we were working in the industry or various parts of it. And one question has remained prominent in my mind, which is I actually don't understand how any of this is working. It's like, a very big how question. how
0: any of it is making a profit because you not this... doing the usual like you make right. $7 on a CD, you sell.
2: Right. So yeah. who is making money? How are they making money? How has the industry adjusted to the new reality? And mm-hmm. the one constant that I've carried with me from my time as a music journalist is the music industry has no idea what it's doing. Now, apparently, according to this story, I may, that may be outdated thinking. So – the picture I, I wanted to paint to our listeners and we can have a conversation about it is the music industry of the uh, 80s and 90s yeah. was very similar to the 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 major motion picture studio industry of the last few decades which is it was a blockbuster model right yeah first of all they were just think thought they could just print money forever because they were making they were you know pressing CDs that cost 3 cents and charging $19 for them yes so that was and that, obviously the not even
0: factoring in what
2: those plastic cases cost. The long Sam boxes. Goody. Yeah. Oh, the jewel boxes. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean the the storage ones? The actual ones. security. So things we could through them. Yeah. Remember that sound? That's a very like Proustian <laughs> sound. <laughs> <of> the <laughs> click, <laughs> click. Yeah. Um, no, but the point being, they would major labels would throw out advances and sign tons and tons of mm-hmm. people, and then. Five records at the end of the year would pay for everything else, including the a r budget and the, the dinners and the drugs and the, all the stuff that was still carryover, debauchery from the 70s and 80s. And
0: can I – just the side story to that yeah. is that at that very same time, you had the blossoming of the American independent music movement, which essentially was a do-it-yourself, selling stuff out of the trunk, selling stuff yep. on tour, making your own merch, driving your own van, booking your own – Tours in houses and small clubs and VFW halls. So even and that and that punk spirit kind of informed what then became indie rock and alternative rock. So it's like two tracks, yeah. And and basically both were livings. They weren't necessarily uh, comparable in terms of your the amount of money you made, but you could do something as a band that where you're just like we're in
2: control. And one of the hallmarks of the music industry in this century that I think. in in part, I mean, other things, factors too, but I'll speak for myself, certainly drove me out of wanting to be a part of it and covering it was just this big feeling of being swamped and a failure in Mm -hmm. that the the internet and piracy seemed to have caught everyone completely off guard as recently as like the emo boom, which wasn't even a boom. It wasn't even a, a big bang, but that was sort of the last feeding frenzy of major labels hoping to have one last... Harvest basically yes. of a scene to prop them up for another five or ten years, and you know help prop up the expense accounts. It didn't really happen that way, but they were just unprepared for it. And yeah. so I then I checked out and have basically been operating under this assumption that Spotify and streaming services have completely upended the revenue model sure. to a degree that has not allowed the business to thrive in the same way. And people are still reeling from. It was so interesting to read Craig's article because it that is not the case. That is inaccurate. Now there are still. For many bands, like the bands we cover, like we had Katie Crutchfield on Waxahachie, I'm sure for Brit would say this too, if I had asked him, should have asked him, frankly, How but I did the know? interview a few yeah. weeks ago, that most of the money for bands still come, comes in an old-fashioned way from touring. Touring and merchandise, or merch. yeah. um, The record sales are now you know almost like Lost Leaders, basically, uh-huh. which is the name of a song that I hectored Brit into please returning to their live set, and he just gave me a flat no. In fact, the no was so flat. Producer Zach Mack may have cut that entire <laughs> exchange, but know that I did it. Anyway, so this story is about a playlist on Spotify called Rap Caviar yes. that has close to 8 million followers. Yes,
0: I am a subscriber.
2: And it is the biggest arbiter of breaking success in pop music these days. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating because record labels, first of all, have completely I mean, I guess they, when I say they shed dead weight, I mean, good friends of ours were laid off. I mean, everything was, it was total turmoil. But now it seems to have balanced out. They now understand that the people they need to pay are the people who whisper sweet nothings into the master curators of these playlists and, mm-hmm. you know, sell their acts to Spotify to, and Apple Music to get them onto these important playlists, put them in front of people. And then you can make money off of streaming. Yeah. And not just you can make money, but the people who are best poised to make money off of streaming are people who have taken the DIY, just-make-it-yourself ethos of punk and indie, but are, in fact, rappers. Yeah. Generally, rappers under the age of, like, 22, who, like, you made the joke coming in, like, little Uzi Vert, who I, I have to say, I was not familiar with with Uzi's work other than Bad and Bougie. Yeah. Um, spent some time with Rap Caviar this week. Dude single, as you learn in the story, that was just randomly named after the tour he was on when he leaked his own music yeah. earlier in the year, has 600 million plays right and is you know was a number one record because of it and this money for the first time the music industry is growing again on the back of this and it's completely upended things it used to be feel right like julie greenwald no relation but a nice lady at atlantic talks about this like i used to like go to barbershops and be like okay small sample size i think what's working now they have data yeah it, like what happened to baseball is like we just talked about this industry. on monday
0: with amazon's shift in right. programming where it's like these digital companies are going to have by very nature of their of their infrastructure probably have like a really incredible data sets like a really incredible data analytics departments. and
2: it has broken down walls that existed for what we now realize were arbitrary reasons yes the idea that rap and hip-hop was the most popular music in the world was anecdotally accepted mm-hmm. but traditional gatekeepers whether they were grammy awards or radio playlists or what's being stocked in your starbucks or whatever would challenge that yeah now, I mean, again, this is from Craig's story. I didn't even pay attention. Nine out of the 10 songs in Billboard's Top 100 are not just rap. They're these rappers. There's Migos and, and Gucci Mane, and I'm not even going to say Ray, Ray Shremmerd.
0: No, I mean, I think that, you, like, largely, like, known as, like, the SoundCloud SoundCloud rap SoundCloud rap like post-drip. I mean, like Gucci and stuff like that is obviously goes back all, all the way to like Atlanta mixtape
2: scene. Remember, but I think that we, we we bet it all on Jeezy, which I stand by. But turns out Gucci's
3: had a long. I year. have
0: Jeezy stock and I have Ridley Scott stock. You're never, sell. never selling.
2: What about? Um, <laughs> it's like Casio. <laughs> what about Aaron Eckhart stock? How are you feeling about that these days? I don't know. I don't know what he's up to. Is he in that fireman movie put, with the Arizona fire jumpers? You put movie? a lot of made up money on that. I did. Stock, I did on this podcast.
0: I got. I did pretty well with it last year. You know, with Sully. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. We'll come no, back to that. No, but what I
0: wanted to say was that um, I feel like one of the issues that – one of, it's not even an issue, but one of the things that rap does very, very well is it's productive. And people are thinking beyond just, like, here's my 12-song album. And there's still a lot of, like, event album stuff going on in hip-hop with Chance and – and uh, and and Kendrick and stuff like that but like for the most part like people are really very prolific you know and and that used to be something that you know uh, whether it was in indie rock with like Guided by voices or in music with somebody like Gucci where you're just like this is just like so much stuff to process i can't kind of can't get my head around it's the fact volume, that Little yeah. flip put out nine tapes this year <laughs> now that seems to be almost playing into their advantage because you have this monster that's just like feed us mm-hmm. feed us a new song it doesn't matter if there's 12 others that go with it mm-hmm. feed us 10 songs feed us eight songs call it this call it that and it's you you're almost seeing a new town built up on the ruins of the old town mm-hmm. you know and this it's not like rap caviar is so much different than Angie Martinez on hot 97 right. 10 years ago where you were like if you want to get a sense of what rap music is yeah. right now you could listen to her countdown her and Flex.
2: yeah so it's 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 funny how the more things change, the more they stay the same. I, I got to say, my takeaway from this was twofold. One, I felt really made me really happy actually that there was someone succeeding in music. Yeah. in this day and age, it made me happy that smart people like like Julie Greenwald, but also smart people on the creative side like like DJ Drama and Don Cannon who have who own Uzi Vert's label, mm-hmm. um, who we remember from the mixtape era, are figured out how to operate and to thrive in this world and. It's also exciting to me that there are some constants, that though we cover music often as a business story, it really is a culture and people's lives story and that young people will always do this. Yeah, They will always thrive on music to define themselves and to define their era and their friendships, and that's awesome. The second takeaway was... I had a lot of the stuff on wrapped caviar a really tough hand. <laughs> and I know it's not made for me. Yeah, and it is a bracing and this slap. is the
0: stuff you No, This is the best of the best that put I know. on the on the bat like the toast. I
2: know, yeah, right? And it is a bracing but probably necessary slap for every person of a certain age. Yes, to be like okay, it's not for me, and I accept that. And so my my comment here isn't like this is bad, but my comment is boy, this this passed me by. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about some of this because. A lot of it, some of it's very good, but a lot of the stuff that was just bubbling up on Rap Caviar when I just checked it is very similar yes. in rhythm and in vibe. I would not say that these are rappers who have bars, but that is not a priority anymore. Um, and Boy, that was the oldest head thing I've ever said in my life. But you know what I mean? Like you just, it is,
0: I can't believe you're going to start telling me about Flow soon.
2: No, I am not the dude... I'm not the dude who was trying to get you to listen to Lyricist Lounge in 1997. I don't care about that.
0: No, you were the opposite, I think. I was
2: very much the opposite. I liked ignorant stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder, is the way to think about a lot of contemporary post-Drake, whatever you want to call it, SoundCloud rap, is it to think of it purely as lifestyle music in the same way like, I don't get jam bands but I bet it sounds great in context. You know,
0: I don't, I don't know, because I don't know whether it's – are we just doing what people who were forty when we were twenty doing, which, like where they were intellectualizing, which like, is fine. Be like, it's not for me, but let me intellectualize like what this this stuff is. You know,
2: I, I, I mean, I listen, I think about stuff that I listened to voraciously and like self importantly when yeah. I was in high school. Like you and I were just
0: lionizing Fifty Cent is the future, and that wasn't and that long Lloyd ago. Banks,
2: uh, in this well i was going to go further back i was going to go 20 years back listening to cypress hill yeah but we're talking about 15 my years buddy ago now, Saab. right and i'm like think about it now i'm like i don't know how much of black sunday is really like desert island disc <laughs> material you know what i mean but at yeah. that moment at 17 18 driving around in you know someone's mom's car yeah i'm like this this is right right now this is this is what this is my life right now. I, was I be real and my friend Matt was send dog or was it reverse? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's really hard to answer questions like that. I was definitely mugs, no matter what. <laughs>
3: you were just the mugs mastermind.
2: presents. But those, the, those were good records. But it's pretty. I, I I guess my takeaway is this: I think people should check out the story. It's really interesting. Yes, but it, for 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 two reasons: one, because it is great to read a story that's like, now nah, the music industry is doing great not just cuz we have friends who work in that industry but like okay what does this mean now what we have we turned a corner and now what um and that puts the music industry instead of being a you know a bastard stepchild of the other other media to be like just like tv like or just like movies we're writing these interesting articles reading things seeing things wondering about forgive me for this disruption yeah but like okay so are we are we turning the corner on the future and now we're getting a handle on it and that's kind of an exciting time to be the other one was just purely like Music's super weird, and people are really into it again, and none of this is reflected in my conversation with old friend Britt Daniel, yeah. who made a great record, but it's like, it's a whole other living uh, living beast that's like Pacific Rimming out of the ocean right now, you know? I probably shouldn't say Pacific Rimming. It sounds like a porn film.
0: Before we get to Britt Daniel, let's talk to Shay Serrano. All right, Andy, we are joined, uh, is this the first time you've ever been on the show?
1: Yes. For the first Y'all time never ever. you invite me on anything.
0: No, that's not true.
1: I There's listen, an and, I listen and I listen Chase and I listen. Serrano is here. And never get invited.
2: We are so excited. Best-selling author. Yeah. Correct. Basketball columnist. Correct. Social media maven. Incorrect. Man about town. <laughs> correct. And incredible fundraiser for his local community, Shea Serrano. Yeah, that's my favorite title. We got to ask you about that. You're here to say hi because we like hanging out with you. Correct. And you're also going to, to try to correct historic wrong in our, our television watching. <laughs> That's affirmative. So we're going to get to that. But before we do, we have to ask you, since we have you in front of a mic, you live in Houston. Yes, sir. How is Houston doing? And what should people be doing now, a week or two later? You raised an enormous amount of money for charity through your FOH army, <laughs> FOH fund. I've never said it out loud before. It
1: sounds ridiculous. It sounded weird. If you, I, you I say I it stopped, out loud, yeah. it's I, impossible to say without I
2: look without at it a You've done incredible stuff. What should people be doing right now?
1: Just paying attention—that's really all all we need. It was it was very easy for everybody to pivot away from the Harvey stuff when the Irma stuff started sure. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean that's an exciting thing if you're watching from outside. The destroyed stuff is not as exciting anymore. So that's really all we need is just for everybody to know that it's that shit is still going on, and there are still people who are not in their homes. There are still people in shelters. There are still. Uh, people who whose lives have been pulled apart that they've not been allowed the chance to put it back together yet. And it's going to take months and years before all this stuff is, is fully corrected. So just pay attention. Okay. And we'll handle the rest.
2: We are You're talking to two people who have not spent time in Houston, but I really want to, I don't know if, you, if you've if you heard us talk about how much we love Anthony Bourdain's episode of Houston, where he took parts unknown to Houston. Yes. It made us realize in a deeper way than I think we, we could have, the depth and breadth of the city, the culture, the diversity, all the people who live there and make it their home. It's a, it's one of the most fascinating places in America. And I hope that if anything comes to this right, people will pay attention to that.
1: Yes. That I've been I've worked with Christopher, Abernathy Ryan for <laughs> several years now. Mm-hmm. You it's can even little... call him by his full name. <laughs> <laughs> and he's only emailed me twice in my whole life. And one of them was to ask about the Bourdain <laughs> Did I did I watch it that's on brand yeah that's really
0: good and then sometimes I'll just email just like a YouTube of a DJs group track but I won't give it any context or sure. tell them no what words happened. or anything yeah, like but...
1: at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> that's on a FOMO bus.
2: that's accurate to my experience all because, right. yeah with oh. the eyes emojis so moving on to a definitely less important topic I'm already mad. you've only sent us I'll, I'll use I statements I think you've you've sent me under a dozen emails and <laughs> Do people know? Can I say one of the best things about an email from from Shea Serrano is that the subject line is always says <laughs> "from Shea,"
3: which <laughs> says "yo
1: Shay. That's correct. I appreciate that it does not beat
2: around the bush because yeah. you know your name shows up in the Gmail fo- like I can tell it's from you. Yeah, but then when I get to the subject line, I'm like. Two I step, gotta, uh, two step sure. verification. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Actually, if I, I, I would,
0: if that actually ever stopped, I would be convinced that you were hacked by <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, a y'all Nigerian just blew, prince. Was said blew me, my cover. It's smart. Yeah.
2: Okay. So now you know how to hack Shay. But moving past that, I would say a third of the emails have made have thrown passing shade at the fact that though we claim to be, I don't know if we do, but we. completists completists we cover television Mm -hmm. we cover peak television the best shows of this young century there is one show that has not (laughs) not really been given its fair shake in fact has been I'm gonna say it completely ignored disparaged even disparaged I feel like we talked about
0: Sons of Anarchy a little bit in that, to say, oh, I would say I didn't watch to it. To say, I didn't watch no, it. No, man. I, didn't I watched watch the it. first season. And I, you know, the funny thing about this, this is one of those shows that you watch like the first season or two, and then you fight, you know, it was on for six seasons? Seven. Seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Around five, if you look at some of the plot synopsis, yeah. you're like, yo, shit got really intense on the, Sunday. This is very, <laughs> I, I will say this, and very. I'll cede
2: the floor to you. I almost enjoy my ignorance of Sons of Anarchy because it allows me to go just Wikipedia surfing.
3: And I'll just, like, stumble upon a character. And
2: I'm like, oh, so this is the character that was played by the creator of the show who, in order to avoid turning rat, bit off his own tongue bit in his prison. Tongue. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Now I know that. And I'm good. So that's me. This is my snarky... West. I used to say East Coast. Now I can say West Coast, West Coast bias. <laughs> bias. West Coast <laughs> bias. bias
0: against a show that's set in Northern California. Is it set in Northern California? Yeah,
2: yeah man. Uh, that's with the Redwood thing. Yeah, that's the Redwood original. Okay, I've never seen a frame of the show. So tell me why that's I'm wrong. So bad. Tell me. Just make the case because part of the joy of being a TV fan today is you can dig in the crates. Like you can start it today. It is yeah. accessible to people. It's not. Yeah. It's we didn't. Like, we
1: didn't. I didn't start watching it until like. I don't know, a year ago, two years ago. Oh. Probably. This is why it's still fresh for you. Mm -hmm. That's why I've been arguing so hard for it. The passion is real. That's why he has the Charlie Hunnam tattoo on his back. (laughs) The
2: full full Hunnam. Jack's brands. (laughs) I
1: I started watching it. Actually, it was my dad who told me to watch it. Okay. He uh, he He's a sparkling track record of recommended TV shows because he was the one who told me to watch Breaking Bad and I was like I'm never going to watch Breaking Bad that sounds like a terrible show he explained it to me yeah and then I watched it and I was like oh fuck he's a genius we should have him on I feel he, like he, yeah he would be he would be on he watches everything he's a completist so your you dad are, is are probably nearly... is
0: a more voracious television watcher than you are
2: absolutely so
1: what what buttons
2: does Sons of Anarchy hit for you just because pretend that <clears> everyone <throat> listening this is <clears> not <throat> true but pretend everyone listening is as naive as we are we don't know okay. why we need to watch the show because it is this is true is not mentioned in the conversation as much as some of the other shows as breaking bad certainly
1: right well let's be clear it's not as good as those shows and you, closed. you can go you can go if we if you look at the whole entire everything of all of the uh-huh. episodes once it gets to like season 5 and 6 it spins out of control a little bit. But if you've gone up to that point, everything makes sense. It's, yeah. all, it's like you can see this happening. But as, as far as why would, you, why would you watch that show? Why do I watch that show? It's, it's got all of the main things I'm looking for in the show. It's got a very charming, leading man, very handsome, Charlie Hunnam. The aforementioned Charlie Hunnam. Jack yes. Teller, man. Jax Teller. 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 Who? <laughs> stop, try, stop trying to be down. I remember.
0: <laughs> I, re- I stopped watching <laughs> Sons of Anarchy when the IRA dude stole a baby.
2: Oh, that was tough. That what? was hard to watch. Yeah.
0: That was hard that
2: to watch. I feel like you guys could just be tell- saying things to each other, and I'd be like, wow. You could make up the craziest it, shit, and I would be like, it was, it, wild. it probably happened on yeah. the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a super intense episode. The The motorcycle club, they have a relationship with the IRA. They're gun runners. Is mm-hmm. their thing. Okay. That's what they do. And uh, so they have this relationship with them, and they don't like Jax very much. They like Clay, who's the main boss. Jax's stepfather. And all of this. Crazy stuff starts to happen, whatever. They end up at war with one of the guys from the IRA who's like a, a point man for them. And it, as sometimes happens when you get in a war with one guy from the
0: IRA, the other guys in the IRA get mad too. Yeah.
1: One thing I've learned from television and movies is
2: that the IRA is a free-flowing organization. Like they are able to be here. You <laughs> they, know They move. It's not hard They're Bill Simmons podcast of uh, <laughs> – They're a free-flowing conversation of global violence and yeah. terror. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And, and what's crazy is that – so in that episode, the, the guy, his son has been killed – and he's sort of freaking out already, and yeah. he's trying to figure out what to do, and he goes to Jax Teller's house, and he kills one of the sons, like who was supposed to be there protecting him, this young guy who by this point you've sort of fallen in love with him. Yeah. He's the, the, the the like, non-threatening baby face guy. He just stabs him. Boom, he's dead. The, the Chris Ryan of the family. <sighs> the Chris <sighs> Ryan of the family. That's right. Sweet-faced. <laughs> Jax Teller's wife is there, and she's like, "What? You, please don't kill me. He's got the knife, and he sees the, the baby starts crying, and he turns and looks at it. And at this point in the series— you're very much in your head thinking he's going to stab this baby like that's mm-hmm. not out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. here.
2: It's a baby stabbing show so this I'm already you you know who you're selling on the yeah, show like, new I, dad. That's what I
1: like new dad yeah and uh but you feel like this can happen, and they just they set the camera back and he's just creeping up on the thing real slowly to see yeah, the baby and they dying. don't show what can happen and and you're just it was super intense. intense yeah it was it was it's hard to watch man. So and, good. and he steals a baby. They go so to Ireland. Has,
0: have you been convinced? <laughs> no, but so
2: far you said handsome leading man. Yes, stolen baby. So we got two of the three things necessary for chase to a chase run
1: That's right. <laughs> you, you've got the group that's sort mm-hmm. of operating outside of the law. I always like when you've got a, a, a thing set in a small town, yeah. and the sons sort of run the small town, and they they're not working necessarily with the police, but the police understand that they're there yeah. and they're doing some things that are maybe aren't that great. And the, but the whole series is. They're trying to tell the police we're we're not doing violent things. We're not running drugs, and nobody's going to get hurt. They keep saying that as people's heads are getting chopped off. Rules, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and arms are getting killed. So since the show has gone off the air, right? What is missing from your life? Like what
2: what what do you miss most about having a show like this? You know what I mean? What 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 is? Yeah, you
1: tried to replace it with anything?
2: Is it? And what about it is irreplaceable? irreplaceable? What about it is irreplaceable?
1: Just the the intensity of the stolen Baby? The 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 intensity, yes, that anything. Can't happen. The guy, the 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 anything guy bites happen. his tongues off, tongue off. The, the baby gets stolen. I'm, I'm biting my tongue off right now. The, yeah, it's <laughs> baby just. But <gets> <laughs> that's, that's the best one. Um, yeah, anything can happen uh, in that uh, universe. Anything. Are you hype for the spinoff for Mayans? Uh, absolutely. That's Smith's, right? Mexican Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. That's is that Jimmy is.
2: Smith's gang? Did they? No. Did they oh. pitch the show directly? Did the, you incept the show from
1: your I brain? I sent them like, 400 this, emails. Did you really? <laughs> I need did more, more, more from Mayans. Shea, yeah. From Shea, yeah. mexican Sons <laughs> of Anarchy. <energy>. Yes. <laughs> Marcus, I need more Marcus. That's yeah. the guy's name. So you're hype on this. Yeah, Can we make absolutely. some
0: recommendations to you for shows that you might enjoy then
2: to like replace something? Sure, of sure, sure, Man. sure. Say Mad Men. I dare you. Um, I know Shay loves
1: Mad Men.
0: Well, I was going to say that like Narcos has like got the same sort of, uh, some of the same propulsion. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Narcos at all?
1: I did. I didn't like it. You didn't know, like the first season? I didn't like the first season.
0: Okay. The second season, they, they get him
3: why are <laughs> we spoiling shows it's to make like him like not them? you're th- Do you think Shade
2: like, didn't like Narcos? Do you, like you think Narco? Pablo,
0: Pablo Escobar is out here stealing but babies? Do you, I, do you think
2: Shade didn't like Narcos because he was worried about just the lack of finality? cliffhanger. Why didn't you like
1: Narcos? I didn't, I didn't like – they weren't able for me to establish that Pablo was that bad of a guy. I mean like that intense of a guy. Uh, I was yeah. never, there was never a moment where I was afraid of Pablo Escobar. Because he didn't take a baby. Yeah. But I was afraid of, of of Clay. Yeah. For example, yeah. or or of the bad guys. Okay, so you need series. like a degree of, of fear. I, I need an, I need intensity. And What's
0: he, a, a movie, a show with like a super
2: intense bad guy, like an awful I, bad I, guy? I, I'm too scared to watch those shows. <laughs> I, I don't. I think we're chasing different highs, man. <laughs> You gotta you know watch I mean? it. But that's not the only I'm like, thing. I'm you like, got I'm like other sitting here about in to in make there. a case for rectify. I'm like, <laughs> okay. nothing happens, but you can hear it. I think cicadas. he like rectify make I, I, the
1: case. I like the show. I need a show about brotherhood uh-huh. of some sort. And right. and those relationships get pulled and stretched. And yeah. like, how far can we can we that's push like there? Like rectify? I need betrayal and Like I need a bunch of stuff happening. Here here's what's mm. w- what's really good about Sons of Anarchy, and I'll go go back to Breaking Bad. Because Breaking Bad was very good about laying a bunch of little tiny threads. Throughout the course of the season yep. that you weren't paying attention yep. to. And then in the last episode, they all get pulled together. Yeah. And this big scheme that this guy's been working on for the last six weeks snaps into place. That's exactly what Sons of Anarchy did for the first four seasons. Yep. They were very good about that. The Leading all the way up to the, the best one, I believe it was, was season four. When they were trying to trap uh, one guy that one of the Sons of Anarchy hated uh this agent who was evil who had sort of set up the mom and gotten this woman killed mm-hmm. like they were they had laid all these traps out and you had no idea that it was going on you thought they they made it seem very much like Jax had turned into a snitch as a way to save uh, his mother okay oh, it was like a super oh, yeah. double switch rope dope and, and yeah <laughs> when oh, that it. that scene happens like all the cars sort of pull up at the same time they take the cop and you're like oh shit J- Jax is a genius he had all this planned yeah and that's that's really another of the main things. Like, I need a a leading man who's smarter than me. Yes. To sort of pull, even though I know he's doing something, and he's sort of trying to tell me, I need to not okay, I know got, what it is. I got one suggestion. Okay. Peaky Blinders. I didn't like it. Damn, you've watched
2: it. You I secretly it. have
1: sampled this stuff. Yeah, I'm 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 trying to watch as much stuff. I mean, I was gonna I say can. like.
2: They they hold razor blades in their berets. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trying to come up with like a buzzword. Like, not that what they do? <laughs> what? <laughs> like in their little newsboy caps, they're not berets. berets. <laughs> what about
0: French? I peaky just imagined blinders? like the Peaky Bl, all of Peaky Blinders would be so Yo, much funnier if those guys wore berets. Yo, what if
2: what if Peaky Blinders was actually about mimes? Peaky berets, French mimes. Yeah. With now, razor you're, now you're talking. Okay. That's so good. basically,
1: we have to create our own show. Yeah, I like Cillian. He's great. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's cool. He's very creepy. He's a guy who you he can. Just stare at you and, and you're like I'm I'm nervous. I'm yeah, very what nervous. He's, what he's going to do? He dead, was cool. dead eyes. But you know what? I, you know I don't like I don't like the accents. Okay. Is that is that racist? No. Are you sure? No, no because you didn't That's... specify.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you <laughs> didn't to say the whether edge. it was me and Andy's you just, accents. You just or... don't like accents. Yeah. yeah. right. <laughs> if you had been like I don't like Irish accents because they're going to steal my baby. you would have
0: been out. We've been kind of hard on the Irish. Which is, I mean, like I am Irish, so it's okay. Oh, so you're allowed. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going
2: to send an email to FX from Andy. Where's the Jewish motorcycle gang? <laughs> what would they be called? <laughs> they be, I mean, Sons of Abraham? I don't know. <laughs> That's good. <It's> like, <laughs> That's good. You could save all the merch, SOA. All right. Well, I don't know if I don't, I'd be honest, I don't know if I'm sold, but I appreciate the passion. Mm. And I, I'm actually, what's most interesting to me about this conversation is there is, a, there is clearly a void of that type of. Of show and there's fandom for that type of show. What you're describing sounds like that shouldn't be that hard to do, considering the success of a show like Breaking well, Bad. Sons Myans of Anarchy, is Sons of Anarchy, huge, huge, huge success. Yeah, yeah. And even though Mayans has been troubled in production, they've had to reshoot it, they've had to redo it. They are not giving up on it because mm-hmm. they want to is, scratch that is itch. Kurt Sutter behind
0: Mayans. He yeah. He's yeah, doing. He's doing yeah. well, What it's was that Viking
2: show that he had? Bastard Executioner. Yeah, that one didn't. No, nope. No, yeah. that was real bad. Okay. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Good luck to him. Anything else we should be watching, Shay?
1: No, y'all, y'all are good. I don't <laughs> t- You set your piece. <laughs> I'm leaving. All right. Leaving. Shay Serrano. Fine. Thank you
0: so much for finally coming on The Watch after so many times of
2: us yeah, asking yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> find find <laughs> Shay on Twitter, and when you at him, say your name in the chat. Yeah, tweet. say Shay from, from Mr. Egghead. I hate y'all. We love you.
0: All right, that all right. was our good buddies, Shay Serrano, making his first appearance on The Watch to tell us to watch uh, Sons of Anarchy. Are you going to do it? Uh, I, I have watched Sons of Anarchy. I gave it like the shot like I, I got the this kidnapped baby I'm good.
2: Yo, I, I I haven't even watched Ozark, man. I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> driving that far back in the crates.
0: All right. We're gonna get to Andy's interview with Britt Daniel from Spoon, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Stitch Fix. You can tell when a guy has got style. Guess what? I'm sitting across the table from Andy Greenwald, and I can tell. You have style. He looks great. He seems confident, like he's ready for anything. Well, that takes a certain skill set, and not all of us were born with it. We're not all like Andy. Andy. But now there's an easy way to look better, and it's Stitch Fix Men. Stitch Fix is the new way to shop for clothes, and it is unbelievably simple. Just go to stitchfix.com and answer some questions about your sizes, your styles, what you like and how much you'd like to spend. Stitch Fix has clothes for every guy. It's not just one type of look. Your personal stylist then uses your preferences and other information you enter to select brand new clothes just for you. The items are delivered right to your home. You try them on and you only pay for what you keep. Just send anything you don't want back. Shipping is free both ways. Get your fix on demand or sign up to receive scheduled shipments. Try them out today. You got nothing to lose. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash watch and you will get an extra off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash watch to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash watch. Today's episode of The Watch is also brought to you by Universal Pictures American Made. Yes. Tom Cruise reunites with his Edge of Tomorrow director, Doug Liman, in American Made based on the outrageous true life exploits of Barry Seal, a hustler and pilot recruited by the CIA to run one of the biggest covert operations in U.S. history. American Made is in theaters on September 29th.
2: Andy, uh, we're recording. Uh, I think it's safe to say that after um, 22 years, no, 21 years of us knowing each other, us knowing each other can now drink legally.
4: 21 years? Yeah. We met in March 1996. Wait, wait. So when was the first time we met? I thought that... Have we gone over this before? Yeah. Okay. But this is fun. (laughs) Okay. Well, remind me. We met in March 1996 at the University
2: of Trenton, where Uh, you were playing... You opened for uh, Yola Tango at a lounge. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you... uh, This is actually a nice full circle, because you were so enthusiastic about newly signing to Matador.
4: Uh Uh-huh.
2: And... uh, Boy, I was enthusiastic about meeting a band who had signed to Matador, meeting any band, right. Doing anything because this was—I don't think I'd ever talked to anyone who had played in a played a show before. And uh, uh, now you are once again on Matador. But you also—we talked about this in the last podcast. But you put me on a list for a 21 and over show the next day, which was probably the coolest thing anyone had ever done for me. Somehow I
4: completely point. have forgotten that we talked about it on the last time. Huh? The
2: statute of limitations for getting me underage drunk,
4: right? at Nick's Roast Beef upstairs. Oh, right. It's probably... Yeah. I remember that show, too. <laughs> Do you really Jim remember... Got, Jim got mad at somebody up there.
2: I was wondering... You've been playing show. You've been... The band is... The 25th anniversary of the band is next year.
4: Uh-huh. Unofficially or officially.
2: The what? 25th. Oh,
4: right, right.
2: Do um. you re- you remember individual <laughs> shows from... Like uh-huh. that?
4: Yeah, I remember... Yeah, of course. So okay, Not so everyone. Un- but... University of Trenton, Yola Tango, March... I remember that. Why? Well, because it was the... F- it was our second time to play with Yola Tango. We played okay. with them at the Matador show... At South by Southwest, and so and I was I had a lot of their records, yeah. and so just to meet them at all or be playing a show with them was definitely m- memorable.
2: It, what's funny about this? Where I was sort of going to go into this sideways, but um, y- you were alluding to a time when um, I, my your kindness backfired. I'm sure the only time in history <laughs> you you thanked me in the liner notes. to girls can tell, right? And uh, spin the paragon of journalistic virtue that Spin always was. Right. Uh, decided that they had to kill my review of the record because I found out after I'd written it that you had been nice. Um, there was a... Gr- clearly, Matador's still mad about that. But no, actually... No, 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 no. no not, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But somewhere in there... Um, wait, because Girls Can Tell wasn't on Matador. So this is the no, thing. No, but... Because I remember in that period, there was some attitude that Matador had because your first two records... Your first record and EP were on Matador. Right. And you went to uh, a major Electra, label that yeah. shall not be... Okay, will be named. And then when we... when we could reconnected again. It was sort of a low period, right, and
4: Matador wouldn't. Th- then that's the time when I definitely remember meeting you, and I was very appreciative. And then that's why I thanked you on the
2: yeah, which was nice. That right. was South by Southwest. Right. I thanked you the first time because you got me drunk. The second time you okay. gave me a CDR. Right. Um, but Matador wouldn't let you. They had some like code, right? Like they couldn't re-sign you after you had left. But no, now
4: uh, you're you're back. I was working with with Gerard. Um, he was running a label in Europe. So in. The U.S., we came out on Merge.
2: Two xu Yeah, and
4: Two xu is what we came out on in Europe. And so that's why I was in touch with him, and he uh, knew this I backstory. Okay. Because I'm at the time, even though it wasn't his territory, I, I told him the story about how Spin pulled the review. Because I'm trying to— And he got—he was not happy I'm about it. I'm trying to pull together some meta-narrative
2: about right. uh, relationships over time, about grudges. Okay. It's not working. Because I, I, you always stayed friendly with the Matador guys. I know that you played the yeah. uh, 21st thing. I saw you in Vegas. That was right. already seven years ago, which is shocking. Um, but it took, it took time to, to, for the stars to line up to put a record out with them again. Right. Um, so it wasn't a, as big a deal as I'm making it out. Well, no, no
4: grudges. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, you know, in fact, we worked with them in uh, 2005. On Gimme mm-hmm. Fiction, because they put the record out in Europe? It was always, you know. Are, are you saying my narrative is flawed? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it might be a little flawed. Okay, but, that's fair. Um, yeah, there have been a, you know, we've had some false starts with them for sure. I'll say that's that's true. But but we've always, I've always loved those guys, and the main, the main guys are still there. And it's they it's, it's, it's kind of wild. It's trippy to be in a in meetings with these guys. I was in meetings with twenty years ago.
2: How how have You change, and how have they changed over the the intervening two decades?
4: Um, you you appear exactly the same in person. I think I am exactly the same. I don't know. I think everybody's dresses a little bit better now.
2: Yeah, that that wasn't a thing in the nineties.
4: No, no. Lombardi really knows how to dress.
2: Well, also Lombardi likes to dress, and like you think he likes finer food. Like I feel like people's people have expanded there right. but maybe that's just growing There's up. There's a big
4: difference because you know we when we first worked together we um we had never put out a record um that record didn't do so hot i think anybody everybody involved would agree we could barely sell 2000 copies and this was in the mid 90s you know
2: good record though for the record right
4: right and uh I'm still waiting And for they the and just they were in a life. different place too you know so now they have they're with beggars uh, beggars group and every, and we you know, can sell, actually can sell a few more records now, mm-hmm. and or stream some records,
3: <laughs> whatever the case may yeah. be. Um,
2: okay, let's let's dispense with my narratives. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> you're so eager to do that. Uh, how are you? I'm good. What? Uh, I, I was throwing numbers around. Um, 25th anniversary of the band. We're also here to talk about you have a 10th anniversary reissue of Ga Ga Gaga right coming soon in October. What do these numbers do to you? Do you pay attention to them? Do they do they get under your skin? Or I don't do you think about
4: run? them until somebody reminds me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, I mean that number ten. It's it's good for um, motivating people to put together a reissue. Yeah, you know we did we did one with Gimme Fiction, and we did a you know like a deluxe reissue on that one. This one's just a remaster and putting. It's got a a bonus EP that it has never been on vinyl mm-hmm. before. So. It's gonna be cool,
2: but I feel like in general, unless you're sitting down with with me or someone like me, you don't look backwards that much. Yeah,
4: yeah, no, I never think about those numbers. Never crosses my mind. Friends don't bring them up. No, <laughs> real is, friends don't no. bring them up. Right. Uh,
2: how do you how do you feel about these records with the distance of time? Because one thing that I'm I'm always I, I was going to say surprised by, but I'm not. I'm actually kind of pleased by. Um, is that as a band that has a large and uh, large fan base, but also a fan base that you know, fans who have come to you at different stages in the band's career? Almost every album, and we can debate whether um, Telefono is that as well, but it counts in this. But every every album seems to have its partisans and its favorites. Right. People have, every record has their partisans. Do you have a favorite record? Do you look back and think, oh, I see why people would like this one, or I personally like this one the best? I get
4: why every, why people would like all of them other than, I mean, even the first one has some good stuff on it, and I smoked some grass and listened to that record maybe six months ago, and I kind of got it for the first time in a while. What did you get? I just kind of remembered where, where my head was at. It was sort of a dark and pointed uh place i don't know how to describe it other than that yeah But i kind of re- remembered oh, okay yeah that's i get that why i get that why Vantes is kind of cool yeah yeah yeah
2: but there is no one record in your catalog where you're like well that's the one everyone should like the best or is it always the newest
4: i honestly you know I, I think they're they're all pretty good they you are know? pretty
2: good this is the thing we talked about last time which is the biggest knock
4: against spoon as a band is that all your records are good um yeah, I mean, well, for right now, at the moment, I just remastered Ga 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 Ga, ga and um, so I got to listen to that in depth a few times in a row over over a course of a, a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, as soon as I was done with the mastering project, I wrote to Laura at Merge and said, damn, this is a good record. Okay, good. I hadn't listened to it straight through for quite a while. so
2: When you say that, then this, this ties into something I really did want to talk to you about, are you responding to just purely... Oh yeah, I wrote some good songs that year, or whenever they came together. Or are you thinking of it as an album, as an aesthetic project, which I think you do, where we got the production right to make them sound unified, we put them together in a good way, et cetera, et cetera.
4: Mm, yeah, I'm thinking of it as a whole. So it's after after the whole thing has gone by. Mm-hmm. What it's my feeling, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I don't remember a lot of moments, and there may not have been any where I, where I listened back to that record when we were remastering it, and I was cringing there was it was all it was all good you know and um some of it was fantastic
2: what's the last piece of spoon recorded output that you listened to and cringed
4: oh, um these are tough yes! questions andy Got you. um where i cringed um there's not a lot of them i mean there's things i know i would do differently right you know there's things on tele on, uh well telephono for sure but on uh Transference. I think that's that. That record actually has some really, really good songs. But the way we produced it, we wanted it. We wanted it. We wanted to produce it, warts and all, a kind of thing where, mm-hmm. um, if we were, we wanted to go extreme. You know, we were. It was the first time we self-produced, and we wanted to just go full tilt into that into that world. And if the, and all the, if we're gonna fall fall down flat, we're gonna fall down flat on our faces in a very interesting way. You know, so some of the songs kind of do that.
2: Do you connect the potentially falling down flat to the long break you took after that record, or are they totally unrelated? <laughs> it might
4: have uh, led to that, yeah. I mean, well, this... the, the the thing that really led to the long break was that the touring on that record wasn't a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in my best headspace, and uh, we all kind of lost the plot for a second. And it made sense at that moment, once we were done with touring that record, to to start something new and to... Play with some different people, you know. Even if you're looking at the the history of just the band Spoon, it made sense. It it, it reinvigorated Spoon to do that.
2: Yeah, I think it did in a huge way. Because yeah. The next record it took a few years, but was a was a was a terrific record. I've been remiss. We haven't even mentioned Hot Thoughts, which is your terrific record from earlier this year. Um, the songs that are on that record, when you wrote them, over the period of time that you wrote them, did you feel that there was something? that linked them thematically that would fit on a record or is that the work of the studio? Because even listening to it again this morning, here's the word I want to give you. I think this is a delightful album because it is feels so fun to listen to. It's not just because it's has great songs. It's not just because it's constantly – it's not just because it's – it's constantly surprising. Listening to it on a different pair of headphones, I'm hearing these little like disco squiggles. when oh, um, cool. I sit next to you that I didn't even notice the first right. 10, 15 times? Um, I I Ain't the One is probably my favorite song on the record. And it's, oh, it's cool. like I hadn't considered the drums, how and why they come in, because it's just something that I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. But these are all decisions. These right. are all decisions that you made individually on each track and then also added to this idea of this, added to this perception that this is a complete work, an aesthetically considered work.
4: Yeah, it is.
2: There was a question at the beginning of that.
4: Yeah, let's see. That was what... Um yeah, what were we setting out to do? Kind of that kind of thing. Well,
2: it's like how much of it is that these are the songs that came out of you over this eighteen month period, and therefore they are an album, or how much of it is here are the songs? Let's build an album out of them with each other and with the studio. Well, we're
4: kind of we are figuring it out as it goes. It's a pretty organic pro- uh, process where occasionally we'll have a directive, but but most of the time we're just trying to make something that feels right, and we're figuring it out as we go along. Uh, a- as we were putting this one together I, f- I figured out this is a rock record but it's a rock record that doesn't have a lot of guitars on it mm-hmm. and when we sort of
2: you figure that out you tell Jim that
4: no I didn't say it you know okay. I was just figuring it out you're just feeling it I'm feeling it and um because Alex and I were getting together to work so much on I would sometimes write the songs on acoustic guitar then I would get with him and we would we didn't want to make an acoustic guitar record so I'd get with him and we'd figure out how we're going to change the song, mm-hmm. how we're going to um, arrange it so that it feels more like, I mean, the future, you know, mm-hmm. than than the past. But yeah, we're figuring it out as we go. There was a moment where um, one of the most sort of uh, direct thoughts we had about it was that there was a song that was on acoustic guitar. It was an acoustic ballad. We worked on it quite a bit. I w- worked up the lyrics. So you know, I don't always really come finish the lyrics until later on in the, in the, in the deal. Usually they'll be about half written or three quarters written. Mm-hmm. But I finished them all up. I w- was pretty proud of it. Everybody seemed to like it, but I st- stood back from it for a day or two and then I came back to the to the guys and I was just like, yeah, but do we want to have an acoustic ballad on this record? I don't know if that's what we want to do.
2: Yeah, so that song's not on the record.
4: It's not. So that one, yeah, it was called uh, Own Your Mistake and that one we have not listened to since. That's a since Freudian, that day. Freudian title. Yeah. <laughs> that's really,
2: that's very nice. It's clearly was never going to be on it. Yeah. Which what part of, so in the many years since since we first met and you were excited about signing a matador and the first glimpse of like, oh, I can, this is something I'm going to do now is my job, mm-hmm. you know, at least for this one album cycle, who knew what the future would hold. It's your job now and has been for a while. What part of this, what part of the gig do you enjoy the most? Or are you lucky that it changes because you write and then you record and then you tour and there's always something new to do?
4: Yeah, that's, that might be the part I like the most, that, that it's always changing I, I do always look forward to the part of the of the cycle where we're um, the, about to go do shows. So you can say when you do press. I know that's your favorite. Part. <laughs> press doesn't have to be that bad. Sometimes it's fun. <laughs> Sometimes. I like going and doing a junket. Um
2: But I interrupted you.
4: Yeah. So I, I do like I love doing the shows. But I've been missing the part where I get to be by myself and and come up with something that I get real excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely how I was feeling when we were coming up with Hot Thoughts. I couldn't wait t- to... Well, i can never wait to finish it because it's, it's a massive amount of work. But it was... Uh, I couldn't wait for other people to hear it. I've, I was real proud of it. I thought that we were on to something that was part of the record. Went in directions we'd never gone before. And um, I was just... I felt real solid about it. Uh,
2: 10 years ago with the, it's the album that I have the hardest time saying. Not not Telefono, but ga 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 ga. That you said been, it, right? Yeah, I know, but it's like I I I work up to it. Uh, um uh you have the two John Bryan produced tracks on there.
4: One. one oh right, you yeah. did
2: you did the other one with him for the movie, right? Um it ended up in the movie soundtrack. Uh,
4: I well, well, Underdog you, is on the record. Did, on the record. um did, did we do another one wasn't with Wasn't that one for Stranger
2: we, Than Fiction, the Will Ferrell movie soundtrack? There was an original song on there that he did.
4: Oh, um, yeah. Did he produce that? And I sure. think it was us. I think we produced that. You're talking about um, the book I write?
2: Yes. Boy, it's a good song.
4: Yeah, it's a good song. I think we just produced that one. Okay, so you only did the we, one with We him. did it with Mike McCarthy, the guy who did the rest of yes. Ga, Ga Ga. Sorry,
2: Mike. Yeah. Let me apologize. Um, at the time, this is this is also this is 10 years ago, but I remember thinking, oh, there this somehow signified like you were going for it because he was a big producer at the time. You, know, uh-huh. you were going for something bigger or not even necessarily commercial because it was still it was 2007. It wasn't 1997. but you were you were pushing yourself in in a in a direction. Right. Um, regardless of whether that's a true read of the situation or not, I was curious if those how much of those factors still even play in your mind? Like what you've accomplished a lot. You make great records. You continue to be inspired by the making of the records. But are there commercial things, and I don't just mean like selling records, but um, other avenues that you want to open up yourself to or the band to that are still, that still interest you, that you still are chasing at this point. And again, it's not, I don't mean chart chasing because I don't even know what that means anymore. But like, do you want to be scoring things or working with bigger people or collaborating? Are these things, the look you're giving me suggests no.
4: Yeah, every now and then I think of somebody that I'd like to work with, but, um, or I'll hear a record and think, had they do that? <laughs> it's a
2: very dramatic reaction you have to that record,
4: <laughs> but Typically I really I, overstated. with With John Bryan, it was a thing where we we didn't go to him. He he started showing up at our shows, and I mm-hmm. knew who he was, and I never would have really would have thought of uh, seeking him out. Mm-hmm. But he's he we had mutual friends. That's right. We had a I, I, we had a photographer we were working with, Autumn De sure. who was good friends with yeah. him. And so she would bring us around, he would come to our shows, and then we, before we knew it, we were talking about getting together to do a song. And, uh, and we didn't, we, and I've said this many times, we almost didn't put The Underdog on that record. It was the one song that we didn't record to tape, and we were very hung up on that issue at that moment. <laughs> and, that sounds uh, it, like the 90s. It, it was uh, the one song that was, had a different producer. And so, and I thought it was a pretty good song, but I didn't know if it fit in with the rest of mm-hmm. the record. So yeah, we almost left it off.
2: It was just in, it's Spider Man, right? I just heard it again. Getting...
4: Yeah, I think that the that I haven't seen it yet, but I heard that the instrument. It's really
2: good, actually, and it, it's a really good. They I use mean, it well. The movie's actually good,
4: but it's a really good, uh, really good. You as they say, do they use the very beginning of the song? They just and use the instrument, yeah, and
2: then the horns, and yeah, it's uh-huh. a very Peter Parker song. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm sure <laughs> is what you were thinking when you were writing. As it I was writing it, yeah,
4: I was thinking Van Morrison.
2: Well, you know, there's a connection there too. I'm sure, mm-hmm. if you could probably draw. It's funny you mentioned Autumn De Wild, and she, in my mind, because I met her years and years ago, that there was this. Well, here's the question: There's oh, there's a universe of people that are like connectors in each city, you know. That, and I feel like as you've been touring in these cities for a long time, and is it? How has it changed for you to be in certain cities? Or is it is it déjà vu where here's this group of people that you? Met coming to your shows or hangers on that have been at these shows in Chicago or l a or tokyo for the last twenty years or or has it changed both because your audience has changed or because touring bands have changed is it is it is it is it deja vu
3: mm,
4: deja vu has some somewhat negative uh connotations i believe good <laughs> that well because because i i telling, do like I going so. i like going to uh you know we hadn't been in Chicago in a year more, maybe two years. I don't know, but we just weren't, we were in Chicago for Lollapalooza and we were there for uh, a few other, a, mm-hmm. a, another show and we, and we're doing a lot of, so anyway, we were there for several days and, uh, yeah, I like that. I like going back, getting reacquainted with the city, seeing people that I haven't seen in a while and then, and then you're gone, you know, and you stay in touch briefly, but you don't have that, in, that intimate, uh, connection again till the next time. But I think that's, it's pretty cool. I like having all those relationships. It's a good
2: way to manage Yeah, because yeah. you're not... You're just the right amount of friends with people. You never have to like...
4: <laughs> I, I also have some a couple good friends, too. That's good to that, know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's, I appreciate... I think they appreciate that you said that, because yeah. otherwise they would think that... Um, you seem very healthy about this right now. Oh, yeah? Okay. Do you feel that way?
4: Do I feel healthy?
2: Well, about, about where you are with your life and your art and your work and everything, you seem good.
4: Yeah. I'm in a good place. I was... Um, I haven't been as healthy since we've been on tour, but, uh, Too many yeah, a lot of Funyuns, <laughs> uh,
2: what is your vice on tour?
4: Well, we, we drink, you yeah. know, um, alcoholic beverages. Yeah. And, beverages. uh, sometimes, you know, once I, for, for me, when I'm on that bus and the bus takes off and we're r- starting to roll out of a city and the windows are up and you can see the city going by, last thing I want to do is go to sleep. You yeah. know, I'm excited. That's that's fun for me, and uh, that feels like, no matter what the situation is, I kind of feel a little jazzed.
2: Um, back to the business side, the Gaga 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 reissue is out in October. Right. Hot Thoughts is out now. Right. Matador Records. Right. No bad blood, man. No bad blood.
4: With us and Matador? No, I'm just <laughs> Clearly not.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to
4: trying to. Add You're some trying drama. to dig yeah. up some bad blood. Always. Uh, no, because
2: we started by saying how you know. They they maybe they were mad at me, but now, no, like, nobody's no, no. mad at anybody. No,
4: I did not say they were. You were, mad were like
2: at you. <laughs> literally, everyone hates you, Andy.
4: This is good. It fuels me. I was saying the other way around. Okay, I hate everybody. Yeah, that's right.
2: That's what I'm known for. Um, but you're going to be on tour more, right? You're not. Yeah, we've done got this. a
4: ways to go. We've got um, uh, up until the middle of December, we've got dates, and uh, then I heard about some more coming for next year as well. Uh, yesterday, so but you're excited. Yeah, you're a jazz. as long as I can. Well. You know, it's good to have a week or two off every now and then. You <laughs> so know? you can do things like this. Yes.
2: Just do me one favor. When you come back to LA, a play Metal Detector.
4: Okay, we have been playing that I one know. lately. We I, played it in Chicago. I got so excited you put that back in. Yeah. Why
2: do things slip back into the set list?
4: Well, people really like that song for some reason. Yeah, I'm nodding. Uh, people who people who are – that were fans back then and people that have, you know, uh, really dived into to the whole – Catalog. Yeah. For some reason, they really like that that tune. A great song. It's, I guess it's the one that stands out on that record. I think car radio is real good too. Yeah. Um, but metal detector, and it 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 makes sense to me that that one stands out. It was the one song that we recorded ourselves of that album. Oh yeah. And that, um, I, when I and I remember feeling like when I did it, like, whoa, this is something that uh, this feels organic and real and doesn't feel like we've It doesn't sound like the a lot of that record is is purely uh, it's so clinical sounding, which was kind of what we were going for. But it's the sound of us trying to take all of the shit sounds out of the shitty studio we were recording in in the summer of nineteen ninety seven. We were in this terrible, you know, like more suited for nineties Austin metal bands sort of studio, (laughs) Um, no vibe and um, bad equipment and um, so our way of dealing with that was to make everything as dry as possible and everything take, get rid of all those effects. They're, they're cheesy and the digital reverb is, you know, making us want to go home. So we just cut everything, you know, and that's, that's the sound of that record. It's cool. But, uh, but metal detector is the one that sort of stands out as a, awesome. I'm happy. more of a homemade production. I love
2: when you dig in the crates. There's no chance of like figures of art, is there?
4: No. Just, just, definitely just, not. Sorry, Andy. No. <laughs> I thought if we could just make personal requests now. Yeah, metal detector, I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll. I'll you Let know, I'll, me know next time you're going to be at a show, and I'll put it on the list I'll, for I'll, sure.
2: I'll draw up just some some thoughts for you. Okay. Not hot, very cold thoughts for right. you about the songs I, I'd like you to play, and you can quietly and politely reject them.
4: Well, some of them, figure of art, we're not going to play. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a hard
2: pass on that. Yeah,
4: that's yeah. Okay. Not into that. one. All
2: right, we'll negotiate the rest of this off air. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Britt. Every two or three years, we can we can do this.
4: It's always good to see you. You're still in my top ten. I am. Yeah,
2: even after this. Yeah, I'm honored. All right, that was my conversation with old pal Britt Daniel of Spoon. Just want to say again that the 10 uh, year anniversary deluxe remaster reissue of Gaga 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 Ga is out October 20th. Okay. Pretty sure I got that wrong earlier in the show. October 20th on Merge, um, double vinyl. It's gonna look great. I love double vinyl. It's a great album. Um, Nothing I like more than a DJ night out where I play Gaga
0: gah, Gaga ga in twi- its entirety twice <laughs> twice at the same I don't, time.
2: <laughs> like, honestly, I'm triple, triple vinyl. <laughs> this is boy, we're really. <laughs> I just want listeners to know, like that's why they come to the show to listen about to, to you know, music takes. <laughs> yes, just like from the bleeding edge. We're
0: like, we don't get rap caviar. What if we played this Spoon album? Your three turned. You're talking at once? to
2: two guys <laughs> on the wrong side of forty. Well, one guy. And whose most salient music business experience is DJing off discmen, yeah, at Brooklyn bars, shotproof brother. Fifteen years ago, um, you came to the right place, Chris. This is our outro. I just want to say, have a great vacation. Chris Ryan's going on vacation. I am. I'll be back in two weeks, and we'll have a little hold qu- it down for me. We'll have a lot of content, including no matter what happens on the Emmys, just, just stand guard. We are going to have some great post Emmy content good on Monday yeah. I believe after the Thrones was not eligible this year but uh, I'm still gonna watch the show and, and talk about it okay um, I'll miss you have a great vacation I cannot wait for you to hear all the shows I'm gonna do in your absence because they're gonna get real weird real they're weird. gonna get weird <laughs> see
0: you later Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes, so why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to, because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels, even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear, while knowing you'll score a great price with a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app to find some seriously amazing deals now. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by American Made. From Doug Lyman, the director of the board identity, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Based on the incredible true story of one of the biggest cover ups in CIA history, American Made is in theater September 29th.